Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the wellsprings of life. Or, with all watchfulness, keep thy heart, with the utmost care, above all that thou guardest, keep thy heart more than anything you guard, with all vigilance, with all diligence, your heart. Welcome back, friends, to the Wild at Heart podcast here in the week of January 18th. John Eldridge with a couple of my very dear friends, John, Bart, and Morgan, on the Wild at Heart team this week. If you are just tuning in, this is actually part two in a conversation about keeping heart, recovering heart, caring for the heart that Stacy and I began last week. We just thought it would be helpful to bring the heart back to center stage here at the first of the year. And if you didn't hear part one, you might want to go back and grab that one. But what we were trying to begin a conversation on was we are living in a really unique moment. And we've just come through a pretty rough year for everybody, 2020. And what are the unique challenges on the heart of a woman, on the heart of a man, and how can we name it and address it and strengthen one another as we head into a new year? So the ladies will be here in episode three to talk about the unique challenges on a woman's heart. But I have my pals here in the studio this week to talk about the unique challenges for men. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for some reason, 2020 does seem to be, and obviously moving into the new year now, tough on men. And so, first pass, as you, as you look back at 2020, how's your heart after 2020? How's just your general condition? John, I think I would say... It's okay, but not great. Mm. And it's as if, you know, if there's a, a tank of, of how full my heart can be, it's, it's like I'm operating in the bottom half of the tank. And so I have something to give, but it doesn't feel like I'm operating from a place of having deep reserves, of having a lot right now. Yes. Yet we are at a time when a lot is required. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine described that recently as, I've got 40%, which feels pretty good, but my world keeps asking me for 100. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, John, I, I feel like I'm trying to find a different word of just doing okay. I'm getting through the day, but I, I think the word I would say is I feel pretty depleted from last year in, in addition to all that the world has gone through, our family's gone through a pretty traumatic situation with a grandson that was just born, but um, our daughter-in-law had uh, had uh, cancer, uh, breast cancer in the midst of a of a pregnancy. and it's it's and it just was a very, very heavy burden for us to carry. Now in a year in, in a year that was yes. already tapping your reserves, mm, yes. right you you weren't coming into that, yes. And and the outcome was miraculous. Mm. The baby was born, and Margaret had had uh, chemotherapy during her pregnancy, and and the chemotherapy is working. But we're going into a year she's got to keep battling for her life, and so 
we've experienced some joy in that, but it's just like, here comes another round. Yeah. And, and it's, it's disheartening. Yeah. Yeah, Bart, your story helps name something. Earlier to launch this year, we gathered the family and Sherry and I with the two kids, and we just looked back together. We'd never done this before. We, we look forward of, God, what do you have for us in the new year? But we never really paused to look back. But in just the chaos of the year, we wanted to remember. And so we just wanted to take an inventory and we said, like, where was God? Where was God? And we went back through our camera roll. We went back through our calendar together. And we wrote just a couple words of how did we experience God looking back? And it was actually a really exciting time where we saw God prevailed. In the midst of a major storm, mm-hmm. God prevailed in a lot of, right. a lot of particular ways. And yet, at great expense. Yes. And so I think I really resonate with you saying it was it's been miraculous with your family. And JD as you said just and yet like I look at the reserve tank and I notice it's quite empty because the fuse is really short. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I can be doing well and then something requires a bunch of me and and I look and I go, "Oh, the tank is empty." And and there's a bit of a, a ambivalence because mm. of it. Mm. I think 2020 presented a really unique set of challenges to men in particular. As I mentioned in the first episode of this conversation, for me personally, I want to make a difference. I want to make things better. I I love fixing things. Yes. I love it. <laughs> I love fixing stuff. And I had a I had a small victory over the dryer. Well done. <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> saved me a serviceman's call and, you know, a, a bunch of hundred dollars on that. But I love fixing stuff. I think that's core to men. We, we, we want to say, I can help. Boom. Right. I helped. My presence made a difference. Right? Right. Like, that's super core. Oh, yeah. I love having a mission where yeah. it's clearly defined. No matter how difficult it is, when I know the objective— and I can set my heart, my intention towards it with clarity. Like, that makes me come alive. Yeah. And you feel like you can make some kind of difference. Yes, yeah. I've got what it takes. Yeah. Okay. So, 2020 sweeps in. Mm-hmm. Um, the pandemic, March, you know, and immediately massive unemployment. Never before records in the U.S., at least, of unemployment, joblessness, because everything closed down, right? Everybody went home. So shops, stores, restaurants, you know, most factories, anything that had close proximity and wasn't considered, you know, essential businesses. And so all, I I watched it in us, like the warrior heart wants to respond. It's like, all right, we're in a fight. Here we go. What are we fighting? Mm-hmm. You're non-essential. <laughs> <laughs> Even that, Oof. right? Oof. <laughs> right, exactly. Go home. You're part of the problem. Go go yes. home. Yes. And men, I just don't think they can take that message. Go home. Mm. Do nothing. So personally, as I as I reflect back on on 2020 and the unique challenges, I I I didn't feel like I was winning. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was treading water and helping everybody else around me tread water in the shipwreck, and we're you know we're, now we're in the drink, and and we're all doing okay. But it, it, just that thing mm-hmm. of go home, mm. stay home, get out of the way, right, right, and and just let this sweep through the world. And I think that names something of the uniqueness of 2020 for men. 
Yeah, John, I think we as men, we want to offer strength into the world around us. But with so much fear in the world, you've got to give deference to how people are are receiving your interaction with them. Had an uncle pass away, had a profound effect on my life, and they lived in California, and this was just a month ago. And so the family said, would you come out giving deference to, to my fear about the thing? And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to come. They said, we'd love to, for you to offer some words at a graveside because it's going to be a small ceremony. And I agreed. And an hour from that time, a daughter of my uncle, uh, my cousin, called me and says, I'm not going to the funeral. And you going, you could give my mom covid and so I'm trying to offer strength. Exactly. And then here comes this fear yes. that says, don't do it. Yes. And so that's a very conflicting thing. And mm. we we worked it out with the family. I went and so forth. And we, but it it took some empathy with her mm-hmm. because she had, and, and rightfully so, she, she had a compromised uh, physical condition and she couldn't go. But... She was trying to put that on us through her fear. And so it was a difficult situation to work through. And how many of those last year? So many. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I I mean, mean, hundreds. Yes. Thousands, personally. Right. Just just through your day, through your week, interacting. Right. You know, for me, I've got two kids who are at university in the UK and trying to help them navigate school being closed down, having to come home early, then, you know, when do they go back? And there's this feeling, I think, of almost like helplessness as a man when you're not able to come through. And there are some of these things that are just out of our control. And that is challenging for our masculinity. Mm -hmm. Okay, We we are naming such key things right now. Those words of helplessness. Mm. I I I feel helpless. I can't fix. I can't go back to work. They're not letting me mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. I can't go to my uncle's funeral yes. that, because I might endanger that feeling of helplessness. And then the idea that things are out of control. I mean, that was that was twenty twenty. The world is spinning. You know, because then we had this. You know, some of our cities blowing up, and then we had right. that incredibly divisive you know, presidential race in the U.S. and lots of other things like that. Things are out of control. As a man, what does that do to your heart mm. when you feel like things are out of control and you're helpless to do anything about it? It's diminishing. It just diminishes me. I, I feel like I have nothing to offer. Yeah, I think it's easy to default to personalizing it and thinking, it's a character defect, right? There's something yes. about me rather than, wow, we're in a global pandemic that has changing reality. And this is my hour to bring strength because of Christ and being a son and being empowered. Like I can do this. Instead, it almost flips it backwards where you go, I'm blowing it. I suck at this. Like, you know, I just keep missing the mark when the mark is changing by the hour. Uh, okay. So, personal confession. Last night, I was just taking some time 
you know, it was late in the evening and it was my first chance of solitude in the day. So sitting in my office at home, just being quiet, not really reading or listening to music. I just needed some quiet. And I was sitting there and kind of check in. Hey, Hart, how are you doing? Sorry, I haven't paid attention to you today. <laughs> but And here's what was fascinating, Morgan, to your thing. The internal response was, I'm failing. Mm. And I'm like, really? Wow, why do I feel like I'm failing? And it was this nameless. Yes was not really attached to anything. I hadn't recently had a fight with Stacy. I had, you know, it wasn't right. like a recent yeah. reason for it, but there was just this sense of I'm failing. And now that you guys are naming it, as I look back on a year where I couldn't fix it, mm. we couldn't fix it. We couldn't fix the year. We couldn't fix down at a, at a human level. We couldn't fix it on a community level. You know, it just sort of swept over right. us, right? Well, the irony of that comment, John, so I spent most of the day with you yesterday, right? Yes. We were on mission and yes. observed you. And actually last night, I was reflecting on how much strength that you brought to our team and the, the humor, the vision, the um, really connecting, leading us into a new year. Like we, did, we just did some beautiful things yesterday as a team, and then missionally, just setting objectives, making decisions. And that was my observation of you. So I think it's just important yes. to see how, how our interpretive grid can be off. Yes. And affected by things that we don't even know mm -hmm. are affecting us. You know, we had talked about there's this nameless fear. Mm -hmm. Right that seems to be sweeping <clears throat> over the world, certainly seems to be sweeping over men. And we can point to certain things, you know, do I have job stability this year? That, you know, how will my kids do in school this year? Will we get school back the way it ought to be? You know, there, there are things you could point to, but it seems beyond all that. There just seems to be a nameless fear. Right. And as a man, I think if I go back to 2020, <laughs> it was that I want to rise up. I want to make a difference. I don't know how to fix this. Mm -hmm. Right, and it on one level you go, John, you, you're not called to fix a global pandemic, mm -hmm. but the heart of the warrior rises up to these things, mm -hmm. right? Yes. W when when things are sideways, right? Don't you like there was that? I'm thinking back to some of the early early conversations in March and April, right, where guys were writing in, you know, to Wild at Heart. This is our hour. You know, we're made for this moment. You remember that? There was mm -hmm. all this sort yes. of rallying. Yeah. But then you don't really know where to take all that energy. Yes. Oh, I, I had a moment where my little, precious, extroverted teenager was just in a pile and just tears. And my son and I are looking at each other. We don't know what to do because the reality just hit her. You mean I lose all my friends? Like, it's all over? I'm going to die, right? Yes. To this little girl, it, it's all lost and it's all gone. This but, is the school shutdown? Yeah, this, this is the school shutdown back in March, right? Yeah. This is when it's official. And, and there is this rise up. I put a picture of the, of the curve and flattening the curve on the fridge to just kind of frame the hour to be like, look, times have changed, but here's the, the mission we're participating in. But watching it unfold over the weeks and the months of just trying to love I guess the best way to say it, as a man, love the women in my care, mm. love my wife, love yes. my daughter, and feel like the target keeps moving. And so I'm engaged, 
but I don't really know what to do. Mm. Yep. Okay. Can I throw another one out there? Anger. Men seem to be angry right now. I mean, domestic abuse during the quarantines went through the roof globally. I mean, in Paris, they had to build emergency trauma shelters for women and children. China, same thing, you know. Why? Like, what? what's the anger about? Why the anger in a moment like this? The politics got so angry. Right. Why? Why do you think, knowing the heart of a man, why the anger? John, I think part of it is anger is a grasp for control. So at a time when, you know, everything seems like it's out of one's control. Yep. One's grasping. I think there's something inside us as men that is just trying to grab onto something. And anger is one of those levers that we can pull. And as I look back on last year, one of the things that I I found is I had a much shorter fuse than normal. Like little things would be really irritating. And I think that yep. was just an indicator. It's like a, it's like a gauge on the dashboard that shows the overall condition of my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Can you guys relate? You see that? Yeah, I think sometimes anger is is a way to deal with the fear that we're dealing with as well. Mm-hmm. I I live close to a roundabout in my neighborhood and I was out in my front yard um just a couple three weeks ago. And um you know, at, there there's always who got in the and the roundabout first, so who has right away? Yeah. It's that that kind of thing. Yeah. And these two guys got out of their car and they were screaming and yelling at one another on who had the right away. I mean, it was just bizarre. Mm. Bingo. Mm. That's it. it. It's that there's the rage. Yes. And it's not about the roundabout. Right. 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 It's a but it's right under the surface. It was yeah. a just trigger. There. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was merely the trigger. Right, yes. but beneath it is that reach for control, the helplessness, yep. that you aren't essential. Yes, mm. right. Go home. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're not critical to this. In fact, you're in the way, and then nameless fear and all of that swirling in with some pretty dark forces in the world. Yes, I mean yes. let's let's mm. also admit that, right? Like if that's not a part of a guy's framework, mm-hmm. and he gets hit mm-hmm. with death foreboding, doom, dread, if he gets mowed over by fear, rage, you know, we're already vulnerable because we're a little beat up and our tanks are low and then this stuff rolls over you. Well, and it names something really important, John, of we want to know who the enemy is. Mm. Like, who's the bad guy, right? (laughs) Exactly. And when you don't have a worldview in alignment with reality, it gets misplaced. And you even think about different camps around the pandemic, right? Masks or no masks, right? It's like all of a sudden there's this culture of where do you land, where do you stand? And and you just say, wait, apart from your views, notice the animosity. Yes. Notice it's the disunity. And it's very real because there are people, like you described, Bart, with the funeral, like it's a very real issue. We have a lot of friends in healthcare that are caring for very sick human beings, and that's devastating. And also, there's impacts of of global shutdown. Mm-hmm. And 
and ramifications on a government level and on a, a micro community level. And like you said, the impact of mental illness and lack of well-being in homes, domestic abuse as a result of shutdown. And so all those things have validity and yes. that's what's important. But when you don't know who your enemy is, right. then really good men get set against each other. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. We don't know who the bad guy is. We don't know particularly what to fight. And so something else that I noticed for me in 2020 was getting lured into the wrong battles. Mm. Getting like Bart, like that funeral scenario. I yes. had I had several of those as well, and I so wanted to make an issue of it and and make that the rallying yes, right. point, and you know put people in their place exactly. or and go, whoa, 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 John, time out, wrong battle, wrong battle. But yes. I I could feel I was yeah. getting baited. Yes, in my frustration to make a difference, I was getting baited into all the wrong battles. Yes, right. I reached out to. A friend of mine who's a psychologist the other day, because we'd been using the word trauma and traumatic here, even within our podcasts, to describe what we've been living through. And I wanted to make sure that we were not overstating things. Like, that's a big word, and it's not exactly the same as suffering you know, decades of sexual abuse by a parent. It's not the same as watching some of your dearest friends get gunned down in a firefight. It's not, it's not the same. So I wanted to be careful as we help people name this. And here's what he wrote back. He said, most of us have never been through a global trauma. The consequences, like the loss of a sense of time, the low-level fog that seems to impair the ability to see, think, choose well, the reenactment of past protective, soothing behaviors. And then he admits drinking more red wine in the last eight months than he had in the last 20. <laughs> um, and then none of us know how to name or manage this daily disruption. And it's, it's politically charged. It's relationally complex. And he, he ended his reply to me by saying, it is harder to deal with subtle trauma like covert sexual or emotional abuse than direct trauma, like overt sexual abuse, when trauma is a capital T versus a small t. At one level, it's easier to name an address when it's a capital T. He said, I feel like we're in the midst of capital T trauma, but it masquerades as small t. Yes. Mm. Like you can even feel like a wimp as a guy, to say, oh, come on, suck it up. Why, why is this rolling you over? Why is this, you know, taking you to the mat every day? I'm great in the morning, but by midday, I got nothing. <laughs> and if you don't have a name for this, what we're trying to do for the, our male and female listeners who, who love the men in their lives and are trying to understand, we're trying to name this is real. The heart of men have really taken quite a beating in this whole global situation, the helplessness, the non-essential, and then the dark forces of discouragement and despair and that sort of thing. And when you, when you get to the level of suicide as yes. an indicator, men are taking their lives at higher rates now than ever. 
particularly within like the helping professions, you know, medical personnel, firefighters, suicides way up w- within the the EMT and the and the local fire department world. And my dear friend in Slovakia, Bohuš, texted me the other night, and he said, "My dear John, my heart is heavy. There's a lot of death around." hearing the stories of many sudden death of people in full strength every day. Two young men committed suicide in the last two weeks in a nearby village. Like, this is going on. And, and just to pause for a moment and go, mayday, mayday, like we're talking about the heart of men. Mm-hmm. Why, why have they reached that point? What in all that we're discussing would cause a man to get to that point? Yeah, John, as you're putting out some of those stories, and they're so um, painful, the two questions that come are, what does a man need in this hour? What does a woman need in this hour? And that's very different than what does a person need in this hour? Yes. But just as you're sharing in this time, that question's becoming more um, central. Yes, I think it is. That's why we really felt compelled to have this series right. early in the year. John, I, I remember in college, Maslow's list of hierarchical needs. Yeah. And I, I was I was looking through that. I don't know if I can recall them all, but the first one was like safety. The second one was love. The third was something like community and self-realization, all of those things. Meaning. But I, I, yeah, yeah, meaning. But I was thinking every one of those in this past year are assaulted and presently are assaulted. Yes. And and so it's it's like what you just read is the entire soul is being attacked and every part of the soul yes. is it's traumatized. Yes. And so it just leads to despair and yes. and I I I don't know, but people are just taking their lives because of such deep despair. The reason we're having the conversation is to name it and expose it and yes. say, fellas, and the women who love you, what you are experiencing is real. And it's not small T, it's capital T. And it is rough on the heart of men who want to love, care, intervene, want to make a difference, feel essential, feel like we are winning. Mm. Like it is so crucial for a man's heart to feel like somewhere in his world, mm-hmm. he is scoring, he's winning, right? Mm-hmm. And what we want to offer here in this week's podcast is some hope yes. for the heart of men. And I found myself praying. So, you know, I've got a background in Shakespeare and at one point thought I would wind up at the Royal Shakespeare Academy in London. And that was as a very young man. God took me into the path he had for me. But that beautiful moment in Henry V when they're at the field of Agincourt and yes. they're facing, it's five to one, uh, the numbers uh, of the French to the English, and the English are beat up. They are beat up. They're sick. and they've been middle of winter. Middle of winter. They've been camping outside for months and on low rations. And here's what Henry prays. He says, God of battles steal my soldiers' hearts. Mm. If today the opposition, the opposed numbers, takes their hearts from them, not today, oh Lord, not today. Mm. 
I just felt that, yes, God, mm-hmm. steal our hearts, strengthen our hearts now. Don't let what feels like irresolvable circumstances mm-hmm. cause us to lose heart. That's yes. our prayer. Mm-hmm. So how how are you protecting your heart in this hour? How How can a man fight for his heart, or how can the women in his world help him fight for his heart? John, I I, uh, I have to go back to the 101 of Wild at Heart, of what you wrote, of what, what are the things that stirs the masculine heart? A battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. And um, so... My journey takes me there on the battle part. I, you know, we, we have to define our enemy. We have to define that battle. And, and um, I, I think, although I feel depleted, I think where I'm making some progress on this is if the thing that is sweeping the earth is fear, I've got to conquer that in my own story. And so that's where I have to begin. Mm. Mm. By renouncing fear? Yes, and 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 by by taking it to God, I think what our staff has gone through the just uh, the unity with Christ of going back to that relationship with God helps me get a handle on and the strength to fight that in the midst of depletion. Yes, yes, John. For me, two things: one, remembering that we live in a world at war. Um you know, what we laid out of the of the actual reality of what's going on, there's another layer of the enemy is taking advantage of this. Yes. And he is coming in in a spirit of fear, spirit of death to, you know, suicide and these things. And so for, for me, remembering that, yes, there are some things that are real and there is a another reality, which is the spiritual. And that's the true battle that we're being called to fight. And just to say to guys right now, you're not weak. Right. Because you are under it. Mm-hmm. You're not yes. weak. Mm-hmm. You're not failing because you're, you've are you lived through a traumatic year yeah. and, and you're not blowing it, guys. You are in the midst of a very tough fight. But this, this isn't a reflection on you. Right. Yeah. That alone can right. be very liberating. So. Yeah. The fear thing, I actually woke up to fear this morning. It was, you know, 3 a.m. and poof, fear. And we've just been through this circus enough to know 3 a.m., that's not me, middle of the night, not fear. There wasn't any reason for it. And so to pray, you know, I reject this fear in the name of Mm -hmm. Jesus to quote some scripture. God has not given me a spirit of fear. But just that beginning place, when you don't realize who the enemy is Mm -hmm. and you're under fear or discouragement Mm -hmm. or emasculation, Mm -hmm. you feel feel weak. You feel like the guy who can't handle his Mm -hmm. life. And we're just here. We're coming on the podcast this week to say it's not true. Mm -hmm. It's not you. Yeah, we still have what it takes. You do. Yeah, I found myself, John, in a lot of those foggy moments last year of just confusion and what's the mission, where's the enemy? And and as I prayed into it, one of the exercises was just stepping back and asking the question, how do I want this to be remembered? 
And it was a moment, like, I have a 13-year-old daughter, a 16-year-old son. Like, this is a moment in their story. What do I want them to remember? Mm -hmm. And it was just letting the accusation aside and just staying there and going, what I want them to remember is, like, God prevailed. Like, God was with us. Like, mm -hmm. that's the major theme. Mm -hmm. And even in their initiation, what we're constantly trying to frame it as is the primary story of our life is God maturing us, healing us, restoring us to, to participate with him, to rule and reign. Like that's the mission, right? Yeah. And yet here we were with losses of their sports canceled, friendship shut down, school shut down. Trips you lost. Trips lost. Family. And so in that moment, it was, okay, how do we choose to fight for what's true and good and beautiful. And you bless the portion, like we, you've taught us about and benevolent detachment. And so I, you know, in the time, like we have as many stories of triumph where we lost many trips, but we still had these great camping trips where the world says, don't do it. Like, you know, national parks are shut down and campgrounds are shut down and we went for it. And normally I'm a planner and a strategist and twice we got on the road and we just, once we went north, once we went south. You took your camper. We took the little camper. We went through hailstorms. It's like mm. it, it wouldn't relent. And we end up at Glacier National Park. And it's empty. And it's open. You know, we biked the Going to the Sun Road where it's only been open twice in 20 years to bicycles without vehicles. It just felt like God teed up this gift. Mm. I mean, it wasn't known on the internet mm. that you could bike it. They didn't, mm. it was only locals. And I have story after story of God prevailing. And so in, I, I told that exercise of we've reflected back on the year of where was God. And, and a couple of days ago when my son, he just said a beautiful thing. He said, you know, what I learned about God is he is reliable when so many other mm. things aren't. That is, that's the gold. That's the gold. Yeah. And you don't learn that outside right. of a year like 2020, exactly. actually, right? You and I did an exercise, John, of looking back through our photos yeah. on our phone. Yeah. Last year as part of just an end of the year reflection mm -hmm. thing. What did you learn? In the midst of what was an incredibly trying year, uh, like you said, Morgan, there were so many gifts from God. And I think for, we, we sat down as a family and we actually went through, I, I took my phone and threw pictures up on the TV um, on January 1st, and we went through the highlights of the year. And there's something about taking the time to remember, taking the time to thank God, taking the time to look at the moments of joy that is incredibly healing. And it's just such a good reminder that in the midst of it all, God is still good and his heart towards us is good and he's making a way. Yes, yes. I, I, I didn't want to at first do that exercise. I didn't want to go back through the photos of the year because I knew that there was a lot of disappointment mm -hmm. in the year and a, and a lot of heartache, but I did. And what I was struck by were the small gifts, mm -hmm. the small gifts of beauty. Oh, yeah, that day that we got to go for that hike. That mm -hmm. was really good. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. when the quarantines lifted and we did go out for tacos. Like, that was a good, that was fun. I remember that. But what I was most struck by was, Jesus, you have carried us mm. through some really tough yes. times. Yeah, guys, I want to mention one more 
idea that, that feels really important as a man to address in this hour. It's the category of isolation. You know, we live in a unique hour where it feels like we're connected to everyone through technology. And now so many people, their lives have moved on Zoom. Oh, all these for work, everything. work meetings on Zoom. Right. Education yeah. on yeah. Zoom. Physical education teachers are teaching on Zoom to elementary kids. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's crazy. And yet the fruit is isolation. And I've noticed so many men withdrawing rather than engaging. And when I look back over the year, I can feel the pull. I feel the pull of just, you know what, push that trip off, push that connection off, let go of that relationship. Like, not necessarily intentionally, but knowing I'll get back to that when things get back to normal. And the fruit in the isolation is the enemy can just multiply oh, his gosh. efforts. Yeah, it's brutal. And yeah. so I, I, I want to name one of the most victorious, one of the most helpful acts of, a, of my will not just emotion, my will is I want to reach out. I will choose to do life with other men, to pray with them, to share my stories, share my struggles, share my victories. And that's been immensely helpful. So the UK has had a variety of levels of lockdown. I was chatting with some friends over there recently. And for a good period of it, you could walk with one other person. You could be outdoors with one other person from a different household. One is enough. One is enough. And, and my friend was describing that he just hooked up with a guy from his church that he didn't actually have a super deep mm -hmm. connection with prior to this. And they just said, let's, let's lock shields on this. Let's go for a walk every week. And I think it was Fridays. And they got out and they walked and they talked and they got to process what it was like and how their family was doing or, you know, work yes. or no work. And so Morgan, that idea... One guy mm -hmm. is enough to get you out of isolation, fellas. Make that choice. Yes. And Psalm 27, guys, is what we want to give you to reflect on, um, especially men struggling in this hour. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness yes. of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait. For the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. Like just to say, guys, you, you're not alone in this fight. And the things that you've been feeling that we've been naming are very real. Heads up to the spiritual fight. Make no agreements with discouragement, uselessness, fear, and, and to, to maybe put it on your refrigerator. I am not failing. Things will get better. God still has good for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not failing. Things will get better. God still has good for me. Yes. Mm -hmm. So let's pray together. And we'll pray again from Ephesians 3, where we were last week, which is, we need you to strengthen us, Father. I need you to strengthen me. Each one of us can pray in our own hearts. Yes, Jesus. I need you to strengthen me, Father, with a mighty inner strength by the power of your presence in me so that Jesus may fill my heart. Fill my heart with courage. Fill my heart with hope. Break the rod of my oppressor. Break fear 
over my life. Break discouragement, despair, anger. I renounce these things. I am not desolate. I have God. And you give me your victories. So strengthen me, Father. Strengthen me in my inmost being and fill my heart, Jesus, so that together we can navigate the new year. In your name, we all pray. Amen. Guys, we really hope this has been helpful to you. I actually would recommend listening to it again because we named some things that were real in your soul, but now you need to kind of go back and catch some mm-hmm. of that and, and do some journaling and do some praying. And if this, is, if this is helpful, like you think of men in your life that need to hear this, please share this podcast with them. And then we'll be back next week with Sherry and Stacy from the women's team talking about the same, the unique challenges, but from a women's perspective.